Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for joining me today on Words of Truth. Today we're going to be talking from Psalm 129. If you're in a place where you can find a Bible and turn there with me, I think that might be helpful. We're going to be talking today and next time also about faith and persistence. You know, how to live in times of trouble or or times of hardship uh, by maybe by now uh, in your life's journey, you figured out that life just isn't fair sometimes. How many would say amen to that? And one of our jobs as parents is to help our children understand that principle of life, that not everything works out the way that we think they ought to work out. We don't always, we don't always get picked for the team. Isn't that right? And uh, our team doesn't always win. Uh, and sometimes uh, calls are made in the game uh, that don't seem to be fair. And sometimes we get treated unfairly for no reason uh, at all. Uh, Listen, those are all facts of life. Those are life lessons that we need to learn while living in a fallen world in rebellion against God. We need to teach our children those those facts. The fact is that statistics report that only 16% of Canadians are now attending a church on a regular basis and that the majority of people in the world are opposed to God and his purposes for the human race. And when the believers commit themselves to surrendering themselves to Jesus and serving him, there will be people around us who won't like us and they won't like our decision. That's what's not fair in life. In fact, if you were saved as an older adult, when you came to faith, you probably didn't have a lineup of people who applauded your decision. Most of them probably thought a screw came loose. Some people may have even been antagonistic about your decision. So listen, all these things seem to be against us. So how in the world can we handle rejection when we want to live for Christ in this fallen world? Well, this is where Psalm 129 comes in. It deals with responding to people who are opposed to God and his love. This is one of the Psalms that is called a Song of Ascent and is one of 15 pilgrim psalms, each one focusing on a different theme. Uh, these songs are wonderful. They, they were sung by the men and women of Israel as they went up to the city of Jerusalem three times a year for feast days. And in the spring, they would go up for Passover to celebrate their freedom from bondage in Egypt. In the early summer, they would celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, where they would renew their commitment to God. Then, in the early fall, they would come to Jerusalem again for the Feast of Tabernacles, and they would thank God for his provision of material blessings and his care for them. Well, that's a great example. We ought to be a people who are thankful to God for everything. And in each of these 15 songs, they confess their deep longing and hunger for the Lord. They speak of a sense of alienation in the world, of being pilgrims and strangers and exiles or sojourners. And they affirm that God steps in to whatever their problem is to meet their needs. And so these psalms focus on practical day-to-day -day stuff in our lives and they help, they help us to live um, lives of faith and faith that lasts. The songs of ascent begin in Psalm 120, and they go all the way through Psalm 134. 
I encourage you to read them, but we're going to focus on just three of them, beginning in Psalm 129. And today we're going to learn how to live in a world that denies God, a world that, well, really is against God and so therefore is against us. Let's look at several principles. I'm not going to finish this today. I'm going to finish it next week. But let's begin in Psalm 129 by looking at suffering for righteousness sake. And we're going to see how even though our faith in the midst of a godless world may not be a perfect faith, we're reminded of a lifelong history of tough, persistent faith through the nation of Israel. Let me read these verses for us. Many a time they have afflicted me from my youth. Let Israel now say, Many a time they have afflicted me from my youth, yet they have not prevailed against me. The plowers plowed on my back. They made their furrows long. The Lord is righteous. He has cut in pieces the court of the wicked. Let all those who hate Zion be put to shame and turned back. Now, those verses are reviewing the entire history of the nation of Israel. You see, for centuries and centuries, all the nations around them had waged war against them because they put their trust in God. And it's a war, you know what, that continues even to today as the nations of the world are bent and determined to push Israel into the sea. And they're bent and determined to to push Christians off the map. And the good news of these verses is that the enemy has not triumphed. In verse 2, they sang, Yet they have not prevailed against me. Wow, those are great verses. That's a great phrase. They've not prevailed against me. Can you say that with me? In your own life, they've not prevailed against me. And if we look carefully, we'll discover that some there are some valuable lessons from their experience for our lives today. Number one, you can see the source of their suffering in verses one and two. It begins by saying they, they, it's a pronoun, it's referring to all the people, all the kingdoms that have consistently attacked them and have tried to destroy them and what God is doing on earth. It's an opposition that has been there from their very birth. Verse one is talking about when they lived in Egypt as an oppressed people. And it's what Hosea the prophet was speaking about when he said in Hosea chapter 11 and verse 1, when Israel was a child, I loved them, and out of Egypt I called my son. God miraculously delivered them from the bondage under the leadership of Moses. But then came 40 years of wandering in the wilderness due to their hard hearts, and then there was the conquest of Canaan under Joshua's leadership. But in the period of the judges, the Bible says everyone did what was right in their own eyes, and, well, the nation was disciplined. And then they came, uh, then came the united dominions under uh, Solomon and David and, and Samuel. And throughout those years, there was always focused opposition from Israel's enemies who were dead sent against them being a nation. And in verse 4, those opponents are described as being wicked. And that's a harsh word that means morally depraved, guilty of premeditated evil. Both the quality of their life and their activity was morally depraved. Do you know people like that today? 
They were consciously doing wrong and were intent on continuing to do wrong. It was the kind of destructive persecution that had a devastating effect on the people, and at times they wanted to give up. The reality is that in hating Israel, these nations were really displaying their hatred towards God. And later in the psalm, we're going to see how their hatred toward God, their they're writing their own death sentence because God won't stand for it. In the same way that they that that the world hates Christians today. Really, they hate God. And the nations of the world today continue to hate Israel and they continue to hate Christians. And constant pressure is being placed on Israel, both verbally and physically. Nations want to wipe Israel off the map. They better be careful because God won't stand for it, and he won't stand for the persecution of Christians either. The, the nature of their suffering is described very graphically in these verses. The word afflicted means harassment and oppression, both physically and emotionally. And this has happened throughout the history of Israel. The enemy of God have tried everything they could to destroy God's people Israel whether it be persecution or torture or ridicule and even exile. And it's happening to Christians today, too. In verses 3 and 4, it paints a picture of suffering from an agricultural culture. Verse 3 says the suffering involves being plowed up. It's a, person of a, it's a picture of a person being stretched out on the ground and literally being run over with a plow. Ouch. Verse 4 talks about cords of the wicked. That's the idea of being tied up so that they couldn't move at all. Let me just stop for a minute. Let me ask you, have you ever felt like what's being described here? Have you ever felt like life has been beating you up? Like you've been run over by a truck? You feel like your feet and hands are tied and you just can't get moving forward? I'm sure there are days when you just want to give up. But now listen, there's good news coming in verses 2 and 4. Verse 4 says that the Lord is righteous. And the word righteous is a word related to relationship and intimacy. Remember that God set his heart on this little nation just like he did you and me. He said, I'm going to love you no matter what. You're mine. You belong to me. And this is the key for this entire psalm, because this isn't just any Lord of God, but it's the righteous Lord with whom Israel and we have a relationship. And he aches with us, and he's committed to our deliverance. He's not a distant Savior, but he's a friend who can enter into every single struggle that we have and understand us and our circumstances completely. The psalm goes on to make two statements about the nature of Israel's deliverance. And our deliverance, verse 2 says, they have not prevailed against us. No matter, no matter what, they hadn't been totally destroyed and overwhelmed, and they never will be. I don't care what plans the enemy has against Israel or against you and me. It doesn't matter how many soldiers come against them, how many tanks and missiles are sent. Israel will never be destroyed. Why? Because God sticks to his relationships. And we're saved from the attacks of Satan or our enemies because we're worthy or perfect in any way. 
But we can count on our survival because God's character and his commitment to our relationship with him. His commitment to our relationship is central in that phrase, he is righteous. And then verse 4 promises dramatic deliverance to come. He says, he has cut in pieces the cords. The tense of that phrase is that he has and will in the future cut the cords. He hasn't just untangled the cords, but he cut right through the cords. He cuts through anything our oppressors, our oppressors tried to use to tie us up and limit us and frustrate us. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8, God calls anyone who belongs to God the apple of his eye. And he says that if anyone dares to touch the apple of his eye, he'll plunder them. Do you see yourself as the apple of God's eye? You are. You're precious to him. The children of God aren't fragile like the petal of a flower ready to be wiped out at any moment. No, no, no. Our faith is only as strong as the one that we put our faith in, and God is no weakling, my friend. And so the Song of Ascent is one that's putting faith in a God who can handle anything that might come against us. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. We're going to finish this psalm next, next time. But listen, my friend, if you're a follower of, of God, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, he's your stronghold, and no weapons of warfare can come against you. Trust him. Put your faith in him. Let him be the one who fights the battle for you. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.